name's Kieran Carr. I'm the locum minister here. I discovered this morning that uh, St. Philip's uh, in a bygone era had a very uh, strong um, uh, ministry called SEGS, Church of England Girls Society, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, there were hordes and hordes of people that came through here. Uh, visiting with us today is the leader of that ministry, uh, who led that ministry for 25 years, uh, Rita. Uh, so would you welcome Rita? Rita, if you might give us a wave. Uh, there she is. Um, Rita, you'll be um, pleased to know our vision at St. Philip's is growing young. Um, we found that we don't have quite so many young people visiting us these days, but it is our true heart and desire to see uh, more people, young people, reached with the good news of Jesus. So uh, great to be um, part of your legacy and continuing that. Uh, part of that Church of England Girls Society uh, group, I might be getting the, what it was stands for wrong, uh, is, a, uh, is um, a couple, Robert and Anne, who are celebrating their 50th uh, wedding anniversary uh, yesterday. So uh, welcome, Robert and Anne, and congratulations on 50 uh, years. Uh, it is a good thing to celebrate. Marriage, of course, uh, reminds us of God's love and faithfulness to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, and so uh, that he will uh, never leave us nor forsake us, and so it is a good thing to celebrate uh, 50 years of uh, that commitment, God's faithfulness to you, to us, uh, and also for us to reflect on God's faithfulness to St. Philip's uh, of um, ministry in a bygone era and it continuing today. So praise God and uh, welcome to you and to your friends. We hope you uh, enjoy the service. Uh, of course, we are kicking off a new series, uh, Looking Through the Life of Joseph. I enjoyed looking at the life of Abraham so much uh, last year that uh, I couldn't help myself but uh, want to get back into the uh, Genesis uh, narrative. And so we're looking at the life of Joseph this term um, with the subtitle, from the pit uh, to the palace. And I must say at the outset that I'm really ripping this series off from a great Scottish preacher in America uh, called Colin Smith. Uh, so if you want to hear a much better preacher with a much cooler accent, uh, then you just need to look up Unlocking the Bible with Colin, Colin Smith. Um, but uh, I hope rather that you'll come here uh, to uh, hear God's word with God's family over these coming weeks. Uh, to give you a quick overview of the life of Joseph, uh, he was one of 12 brothers born to Jacob, who was the grandson of Abraham, to whom God had given many great and precious promises. God's hand was on Joseph in a very special way, but for this reason he was hated by his brothers, so much so that they sold him as a slave to Egypt. But because God loved Joseph and God's hand was upon Joseph, he exalted Joseph and promoted him to the highest office in Egypt. He was the prime minister and put him in charge of the food supply in Egypt, which turned out to be the food supply of the whole world. Now there was a famine in the whole land and in the land of Canaan where his brothers were and so they needed to come to Egypt for food and uh, unbeknownst to them, the man who was put in charge of the food supply was their brother, Joseph, the man whom they had despised and rejected. And so the big idea in this story that we're going to come back to again and again and again is that the one whom they despised and rejected is the one on whom all their hopes depend. It's the astonishing turnaround in the story that the brother whom they despised and rejected is the one on whom all of their hopes depend. 
Does that sound like any other, anyone else in the Bible? Does, it, does that sound like any other story you've heard in the Bible? By that laugh, I know you understand. It sounds like the Lord Jesus. You see, another reason for doing this series on Joseph is because um, at this time of year, as Easter arrives, we reflect on the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lent is only a few weeks ago, and then Good Friday and Easter, and we reflect on the death and resurrection of Jesus. And you'll notice the subtitle for the series is From the Pit to the Palace. The idea being, I hope you'll see, that the pattern of Joseph's life in his extreme suffering and yet his extraordinary salvation is that it is supposed to prefigure and prepare and to point us to the Lord Jesus Christ, whose life follows the same pattern as Joseph, only to a much greater degree in his suffering and in his salvation. I hope you'll see that in the musing on the pew sheet today. I I do um, urge you and encourage you to read the pew sheet if you haven't already to bring it home and and help you reflect on how the the life of Joseph points us to the life of Jesus. And if the life of Joseph gives us a pattern for the Lord Jesus Christ, then he also provides a pattern for our lives because we are Christians, Christ's followers. And so this book is also very practical and helpful in thinking about the pattern of a disciple of Jesus. One writer points out that from the story of Joseph, we can learn how to overcome envy, how to face adversity, how to resist sexual advances, how to plan for the future, how to forgive those who wrong us, how to dispel our doubts, how to have faith in God's promises and how to recognize God's sovereignty even in the wrong things that are done to us by others. Does anyone need help with any of those things? Well, if you do, I hope that you will come back Sunday by Sunday over the course of the next term to hear God's word as it applies to you. And if you need to miss a Sunday, I hope you'll come online to listen to the podcast. And I hope we record them Sunday by Sunday so that they're actually there when you go online to gain help from God's word as we look at the life of Joseph. It's on page 30 in your pew Bibles. I hope you'll keep it in front of you. We're looking at verses 1 to 11 this morning. And the first thing that I want you to notice in the story from verse 2 is that Joseph was 17. Are there any teenagers here today? I'm looking out a little nervously thinking, oh, there's one. I can see one at least. Uh, Does anyone know what our vision is at St. Philip's? It's growing young. It's reaching young people. How relevant this is for all of us, especially teenagers. Verse 2 says, Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. His brothers. I want you to uh, notice at the outset uh, in this story that Joseph's brothers were bad news. I need to give you some background and some context. Three stories that are in Genesis about Joseph's brothers. The first being in chapter 34, where they were led by Simeon and Levi in a, making a deceitful deal with a group called the Shechemites. You see, Joseph's brothers, he wasn't born yet at this stage, um, had found out that uh, this guy called Shechem from a different tribe, the tribe of the Shechemites, had violated their sister Dinah. 
And so they came up with a cunning plan. Shechem desperately wanted to marry Dinah, and so he proposed that his tribe should intermarry with Jacob's sons. And they said, okay, sure, fine, but you'll need to get circumcised. And so Shechem was so keen to marry that he convinced all of the men in the village, the town, uh, to get circumcised. And then just a few days later, while they were still in a whole lot of pain and unable to defend themselves, what Jacob's sons did is that they launched a vicious attack on the Shechemites, absolutely slaughtering and annihilating every last male in that town every single last male, and taking the women, the children, and all of their plunder and wealth as theirs, plunder. So wicked were they that afterwards Jacob in chapter 34 verse 30 says to them, you have brought trouble on me, making me stink to the inhabitants of the land. That's what Joseph's brothers were like. They made Jacob stink in the land. A second story about Joseph's brother Reuben, who was the eldest um, in verse uh, Genesis 35 before this chapter, verse 22, we're told that um, while his dad went away on a working trip, Reuben thought uh, that he would be able to get away with sleeping with his stepmother, Jacob's concubine, and so he did sleeping with his stepmother. And so whilst all of uh, Jacob's sons were violent men, Reuben was a man of sexual indulgence, out of control. A James Montgomery um, Boyce uh, argues that this is the reason why Joseph got the coat of many colours. You know the coat of many colours? You see, the special coat was for the firstborn son, and the firstborn son was get to get the largest piece of the inheritance. And who was the firstborn son? The firstborn son was Reuben. And Reuben forfeited his right to being the firstborn son and gaining the inheritance by what he did with his stepmother, Jacob's concubine. And so it's in that light that we understand how Joseph got his coat of many colours. That's story two. The third story about his brother in chapter 38, which we're going to look at in two weeks, is his brother Judah who decided that while he was going away on a work uh, work trip, um, that he would be able to get away uh, whilst away from all the family and no one would know and no one would see, that he would be able to get away with sleeping with a prostitute. And so that's what he did. We're going to be looking at that story in two weeks from now. In other words, it's another story of sexual lust. These... Guys, these are the, these guys, these 12 brothers, these are the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel, God's people. But they're also Joseph's brothers. Do you see the culture and the context that Joseph was living in and swimming in? They cannot be trusted. They're prone to violence and they're given over to being sexually out of control. And don't so many of our teenagers here today know exactly what it's like to live in a culture like that and to be surrounded with people like that. But at this point in the story, we're supposed to say, thank God 
that one of them was different. Thank God that one of them was different, that he was not like his brothers. And that one brother who was different was Joseph. We're going to see that throughout the story, how exemplary his life was. And so no wonder he was loved and favoured by his father, Jacob. Moving on to verse 3, have a look at it with me. Now Israel, that's Jacob, he had his name changed to Israel, loved Joseph more than any of the other of his children because he was the son of his old age and he had made him a long robe with sleeves. You'll see there's a a grammatical um, translation issue, a a coat of many colours, a long robe with sleeves. Now, uh, at this point, people often bring up the issue of favouritism at this point and playing favourites, which, of course, we know was part of their family of origin. Remember how Isaac preferred um, Esau because he was a hunter-gatherer type and Rebekah preferred uh, Jacob. And, And we all understand and know, and some of us all too painfully and personally, the damage that favouritism can do to people, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's in the workplace, and especially if it's in the family. And so that's an obvious point to make, the damage of playing favourites. But I want you to put this in the larger context of what we've learned about Joseph's brothers and to try and put yourself in Jacob's shoes. How many parents here today have had their hearts broken by wayward children? How many parents here today have had such high hopes for their kids that they would walk with Christ only to have those hopes and dreams for their kids completely dashed? Jacob's sons were wicked, murderous, violent men. They were sexually perverted. They were willing to lie through their teeth and to Jacob's face. And everyone in the community know about it so that he would make his name stink amongst the peoples. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes and uh, Jacob's shoes because then finally you have another son who's different. And over the course of the weeks that we go through this story, we'll find just how different he was. And so your heart begins to glimmer with hope and say, maybe there is hope for our family. Maybe our family does have a future. Maybe this son of mine will be able to exercise his influence over his brothers. And maybe God isn't finished with us yet. Joseph was loved and favoured by his father Jacob... Verse 3, but more than that, verses 5 and the rest of the story, Joseph was loved and favoured by God. You see that in the story. He was loved and favoured by God so that God spoke to Joseph in a very special way through dreams and gave Joseph his word. The point of the dreams that both of them that God gives to Joseph is very simple. God is going to exalt Joseph above his brothers and his brothers and family are going to bow down to him. And of course, with the benefit of hindsight, we know that those dreams are 100% accurate and they become 100% true and that this indeed is God speaking to Joseph about him and his role in God's salvation plan. 
And so again here we're gaining whispers and shadows of how Joseph is pointing us to the true and better Joseph, the Lord Jesus, who was loved and favoured by God, who would be despised and rejected by his brothers to a much greater degree, who would be sold as a slave for a bag of silver, the one who would go down into the lowest place and yet by his father be exalted to the highest place, Jesus Christ, the one who is despised and rejected and yet on whom all of our hopes depend. And so I want you to see that these dreams are of an entirely different order to your dreams or my dreams, that this is so accurate and so true that it would be written down in Holy Scripture. This is the Word of God to Joseph. And so we maybe perhaps ought to rethink the idea that Joseph is unwise to share his dream, to share God's Word with his brothers, because if you think about it, this Word is pertaining not just a private word to Joseph, no, this is a word, to, a word about Joseph, it's a word about his brothers, and ultimately we see that this is a word about the salvation of the whole world. This is good news from God for his brothers and for the world. How could he hold it in? How could he not share the word of God? But of course it cost him deeply to share the word of God with his brothers. Look at verse 8. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him all the more because of his dreams and his words. Joseph was rejected on account of sharing God's word with his brothers. Joseph received the word of God. Our Lord Jesus, it says in John 1, was the word of God. He is the favoured one in whom the Father has all of his delight. You see, Jacob put on Joseph a coat of many colours to say, you are the one on whom all of our hopes depend. You are, the, you are my loved and favoured son. And what did God the Father do with the Lord Jesus at his baptism. He didn't put on him a coat of many colours, but a dove, uh, the Spirit came down on him in the shape of a dove and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. There is hope in him. I love him. He is going to be exalted and so you must bow down before him because there's hope for everyone who will bow down before him. Hope, in, hope for everyone who has chosen a rebellious path. Hope for everyone who is sexually perverted and has violence and murder in their hearts. There is hope in him, this son who is so different from all of his brothers, who is exalted and loved and favoured. Hope for everyone who would bow down today to him, this son who is different from all his brothers and sisters. But what is the response of the human family to this brother who is born amongst us? It's actually in the second reading from John chapter 1, verse 11. He came to his own, 
and his own people did not receive him. John chapter 1, verse 11. He came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. In Luke chapter 19, the Lord Jesus tells a parable about a king who goes to his people and and, and, um, the guy sends this king to be appointed as as king over these people. In, In Luke chapter 19, verse 14, it says, But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We don't want this man to rule over us. We don't want this man to rule over us. And the king that he's talking about is himself, the Lord Jesus, and how they treated him. We don't want this man to rule over us. And the Lord Jesus in Luke 19, I believe, is picking up on these very words of Joseph's brothers in Genesis 37. Will you indeed reign over us? Not in a million years. And so by way of conclusion, let's look at three observations from the text with these three headings, never, sometimes, and always. Firstly, never. Never underestimate the antagonism towards God that resides in even the most respectable human heart. Joseph's brothers hated him. Why did they hate him? It says because of the word of God. He was bearing the message of salvation. Jesus' brothers hated him too. Why else did they crucify him? Why else was he crucified? They were saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 7, the Apostle Paul says that in our nature we are God-haters. Chapter, Romans chapter 8, verse 17, it says the, uh, the sinful nature is hostile towards God. Deep down in all of us, there's that which in us, within us which says, I will not bow down to this man. And so when we make our confession of sin, it's not just a little sin here and a little sin there that we need to be delivered from. No, we need to be delivered from a nature that says, I will not have this man to reign or rule over me. I'm the boss. I'm the king. I will run my life my way and I will not have this man to rule over me. So never underestimate the antagonism towards God that resides within even the most respectable human heart. That's never. Secondly, sometimes. Sometimes receiving God's word will isolate you from your friends. Isn't that what happened with Joseph? The Lord Jesus in John chapter 15, verse 18 says, If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. What we see in the story of Joseph, and I think we see for all followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, is that sometimes receiving the word of God will isolate you from your friends. You see, Joseph received the word of God, he believed the word of God, and he shared the word of God with his brothers. And the result is that he's hated. He's despised and rejected. He must have felt very alone and he was only 17 years old. A place where you, a time when you long for that sense of belonging. How 
difficult it must have been for him that nobody wanted anything to do with him because of the word of God. It says that his brothers could not speak a peaceful word to him. And it was all because of the word of God. But we must remember this when we face that kind of challenge, that it is better to lose friends than to lose Jesus. Amen? It is better to lose friends than to lose Jesus. And also to remember that however much your friends or your colleagues or your family may despise you because of the word of God, the fact is that they need it. Their life and their future depends on us. Think about it. How else in all the world will these rebellious brothers like Simeon and Levi and Reuben and Judah, so wicked that we've heard about, how in all the world are these men going to end up in the grace of God in heaven apart from God's grace towards them and the faithfulness of their little brother, Joseph, who was true to God and had the courage to speak to them about God's word to them? And God's future for them, so that at the end of the story they recognize the word of God and they do indeed end up bowing down to this brother, true to God's word and God's message. And their lives are saved through their little brother. And so our friends, our colleagues, our family, they need us to love them enough to be willing to share God's message of salvation with them. They need us to love them enough to be willing to push through the rejection on account of the word of God because their very lives depend on it. Acts chapter 4, the apostles say, there is no other name under heaven by which people can be saved. And the one who is despised and rejected is the one on whom all of the hopes of the whole world and the hopes of the brothers and their future depends. Sometimes receiving God's word will isolate you from your friends. And finally, always. Always remember that Christ, Jesus, is loved and favoured by God and all of God's favour rests on him and through him, God's favour comes to us. We sang it in our song earlier in the service. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to his. So always remember that he is the loved and favoured son. And as it says on the front of your order of service, that if you're in Christ, you're in the beloved. And all of that favour and all of that love extends to you. But you know what it also means? It means that our lives will follow the pattern of his life. And Joseph's life in suffering, in suffering with him. And there'll be moments in your life when you say, why? Why, Lord, have you allowed this suffering and this pain into my life? But what we're going to see, and I hope you can come back next week, I hope you can bring your friends, is that God doesn't work in spite of our suffering He works through it. It's clear beyond any shadow of a doubt through the story that God never wastes a moment of our suffering. But he works through it. His saving purposes for the whole world. It's absolutely astonishing to see next week that the very thing that springs God's 
purpose of salvation into being is their rejection of Joseph. Because they hate him, they hate God's word, they put him in a pit, and how else was he going to end up in Egypt in charge of the food supply so that he could rescue the whole world with food? And so if you find yourself in a position saying, it feels like everyone is against me, then in Christ you can say no. If God is for us, who can be against us? And if on account of God's word you find yourself saying to yourself, I feel so completely and utterly alone, then in Christ you can say, God is with me. For he says, I will never leave you and never forsake you. And if you find yourself saying, there's no one who really cares about my situation, no one who cares about my plight, then in Jesus Christ you can say, God loves me with an everlasting love and I am showered with his favour, I'm showered with his goodness and I can be confident that God is with me in this. And this is all of our inheritance and more for all here today who would bow down before God's loved and favoured son. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen.